Hi, this is Mo Oster, Misney's Senior Vice President for Advocacy. I lead a team of lobbyists fighting for you in Albany and sometimes in Washington, D.C. There is just one week or three scheduled session days left before the scheduled June 2nd adjournment of the New York State Legislative Session. But there are no shortage of healthcare issues under active discussion. To begin with, it is imperative for all physicians to contact their senators and assembly members to urge that they reject legislation that would significantly expand the types of damages awardable in a wrongful death negligence action, including medical malpractice cases. While many legislators who have expressed their support for the law highlight that it is designed to ensure parents can be compensated for the loss of a child or an elderly parent due to the negligence of a driver or business, the legislation would have a particularly damaging effect on physicians and hospitals. One actuarial estimate concluded that it would require a nearly 40% increase in medical liability premiums at a time when physicians and hospitals already pay by far and away the highest liability premiums in the country. One of the frequent comments for those who support the bill say that most of the other states have adopted laws that allow for these types of damages. What they fail to say is that many of these states that have adopted these laws have also adopted limitations on damages in other tort reforms that help keep down the cost of medical liability insurance in those states. Please use a link in Misney's e-news today to send a letter and tweet to your legislators on this issue. And you can also find it from Misney's Grassroots Action webpage. It is also important to mention that the Senate gave passage this week to two pro-patient bills strongly supported by Misney and already passed by the Assembly that we worked on and advocated for with several patient advocacy groups. The first bill would prohibit health insurers from preventing their enrollees, your patients, from having the benefit of a drug discount card apply towards their deductible or out-of-pocket maximum. If signed into law by the governor, this bill would be particularly helpful for patients with chronic health conditions taking what are often expensive medications to treat or stabilize their condition and would help to ensure that these patients can meet their deductibles earlier in the calendar year. The second bill would prohibit a health insurer from applying a step therapy or fail-first protocol to its coverage for any medication to treat a mental health condition. Misney worked with a number of patient advocacy groups in 2016 to help pass a law that established a defined process to make it more simple for a physician to override a health insurer-imposed step therapy protocol. But this legislation, if signed into law, would eliminate altogether step therapy for these types of medications, reducing one barrier to providing needed care. Another positive bill that was passed this week by both houses would require the New York State Medicaid Inspector General to provide greater transparency in its audits of healthcare providers, including more advanced notification requirements, permitting resubmissions of claims for technical errors, and providing greater standardization when extrapolation is used. However, a number of problematic practice mandate bills were also passed by both houses this week, for which MISNI will be either requesting a veto or chapter amendments in order to reduce their burden on physicians already drowning in overwhelming administrative requirements. The first bill would require enhanced disclosure by hospitals and other healthcare providers to patients of facility fees not covered by insurance, including requiring employed healthcare providers to disclose in advance 
if their employer health system is charging a facility fee. Misney had expressed that it does not object to the requirement for the disclosure of a type of charge, but it does object to the requirement being placed on an employee of the employer who benefits from this charge. It is worth noting that it is an improvement over an earlier, far more untenable version, which would have required physicians and hospitals to jointly bill. The second practice mandate bill would require a physician or other prescriber when treating a patient for neuromusculoskeletal pain to consider and discuss with the patient numerous alternatives to opioid treatment prior to writing an opioid prescription for that patient. The alternatives include physical therapy, occupational therapy, massage therapy, acupuncture, or exercise. The requirement, thankfully, would not apply for the treatment of post-surgical pain, treating a patient with cancer, or hospice care. The third bill would require a physician or midwife to provide materials to their pregnant patients on their initial visits regarding the risks of cytomegalovirus, or CMV. The materials would be developed by the Department of Health. If this were not enough, still many more practice mandate bills are under active consideration in the session's final days. Turning to upcoming educational events, please place on your calendar Wednesday, June 15th at 7.30 a.m. for the next Medical Matters program, the relationship between medicine and government during a public health emergency with faculty from the New York State Department of Health. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this podcast and for your commitment to MISNI and your County Medical Society. We will speak again next week. 